Hey everyone, Tom here, back with yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is the podcast where we're going through every single song of Metallica. Today we have come to their incredible medley of Merciful Fate songs, which is called Merciful Fate. That being Satan's Fall, Curse of the Pharaohs, A Corpse Without Soul, Into the Coven, and Evil. And it's just going to be myself uh, going solo. We're going to look at the history, a little bit of Merciful Fate, their interactions with Metallica, and of course the song itself. Just before we get into the song and a quick email, please follow the show at Metallica Pod. Um, you know, subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. Check us out on iTunes. Go back through the archive. We have had hundreds of hours, literally hundreds of guests as well on the show at this point. Um, if you enjoy the show, if you want to give back, Patreon is there. Patreon.com forward slash Alpha Metallica. Episodes like this will go on there first. You know, I try and keep myself a week or two ahead of schedule whenever I can and doing interviews as well. I've actually got Joel McIver uh, coming up on the show in a few days' time. He of, well, he's a big podcaster himself now with Mick Rules and his Dead Rock Stars podcast. Definitely check that out. But he did, in many people's eyes, the definitive biography of Metallica, that being Justice for All, The Truth About Metallica, which is an excellent book. Going to have him on in a few days. Really excited for that. So stuff like that will go on the Patreon first. And, you know, I'll ask people questions, what they want to ask Joel, etc., etc. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, if you want to come on the show, metallicapod at gmail.com is the best way to do that. Just before we get to Merciful Fate. We've got an email. Uh, emails from Mark Ferguson. Mark has actually been on the show before. Mark was on our, I think it's episode 75, when we did the Judas Kiss, which is a really good talk, so definitely check that out. Um, he got in touch basically following my Guns N' Roses Metallica tour diary episode that I did in lieu of the Merciful Fate one prior. He says, hey Tom, my memory of the 1992 GNR Metallica co-headline was from Oakland Coliseum show. For you non-Americans, when a show is in the ballpark, the stage is typically in centre field. Then people fill in the outfield grass, whilst the more sensitive infield is roped off. This being late in the baseball season, with the hometown A's playing games the following week, the Coliseum tried to protect the grass with plastic tarps. Here's how it looked pre-show, so he provided a video and then after Metallica set, there was a 90 minute break between the two bands. As you can imagine, people got bored, so they did this, and then he provides a second video, and the second video is fucking chaos. So, we can see on the stage, you know, huge mock-ups of the Use Your Illusion album art on either side and just people going mad on the, the diamond, the outfit Field, as he says. I mean, I don't really get baseball, to be honest with you. I did see a New York Mets game with my dad and my brother. Uh, City Field, is that where they play? That was in 2015. And I was shocked about how little baseball is actually played. It seemed like every time a ball was thrown, there was some Hall of Famer giving out hot dogs or some kiss competition or something. It seemed a bit like cricket over here where you just sort of are there for the day and it's not really about points scored or whatever. Or, you know, this is this is my ignorance. I need to check out that Ken Burns baseball documentary. But yeah, anyway, the video that Mark provided showed just, you know, a, a wild expanse of people, you know, tearing up the sod and chucking it and lots of long-haired lunatics, you know, causing their own little personal form of chaos. Uh, Mark continues, I remember an interview where someone asked James how his guitar playing was recovering and he said he he was about he was allowed to, and he said he was allowed to play for about five minutes a day and if you look at the first video towards the start you can see that he dramatically stands center stage and plays it for enter sandman at the end of the show the oakland a's had to play the next few weeks on a messed up field local baseball fans were furious cheers tom and thank you so much mark and yeah i should say at the um on the tour diary episode i did ask people their recollections if indeed they did go on the 92 gnr metallica tour so so if you were there get in touch with me metallicapod at gmail.com and i would love to read those out in a future episode so yeah this song i mean I mean, this song is so much more, obviously it's on garaging, it's so much more 
than a tribute. I, you know, I love the fact that the band have not just covered one song, they covered five songs. They've also composed it themselves into this straight-up offering of worship, you know, this huge tableau of riffs. The so- It's not like they've covered all five songs and put them one after the other. They've sort of rearranged them and new riffs go into new riffs. And, you know, often with Merciful Fate, like I've got to say, I am actually getting into Merciful Fate a fair bit. I wasn't really familiar with them at all before Metallica, and even listened to this song over the years before the podcast, didn't really seek them out for any reason. Always enjoyed these songs, but I like this sort of metal. I like this sort of writing. It reminds me a little bit of, like, I'm big into poetry as well. I used to be into it a lot more, but I'm still very much into, um, you know, older poetry, classical poetry, that sort of stuff. And one of the things that I like in classical poetry is the tension between the constraints of the form, so the meter, the rhyme scheme, etc., and what's being said, you know, not even that old poetry, sort of like romantic poetry or fin de siècle poetry or stuff like that, or even more modernist imagist stuff. Like, you know, they weren't going all out there with you know, kind of abandoning and going into free verse. They were kind of acting within these confines. And that's kind of what you see within this guitar playing, you know, think of like Merciful Fate or think of like Dokken or stuff like that. You know, it's all pedal pointy. It's all power chordy. The solos kind of all use the same scales. The topics are all very familiar, but you know, you can still break new ground. You can still create exciting music from that. And that's what I find throughout this medley. And I have gone back and explored Merciful Fate's back catalogue. And the riffs are there, obviously. And the playing is outstanding. The vocals from King Diamond are interesting. And, you know, we'll compare and contrast as we go through each part of this, uh, each constituent part of Merciful Fate. But ultimately, King Diamond's vocals are incredibly high-pitched. It's basically kind of, imagine Kill em All James and, you know, that volatile wavelength that he didn't like, Kill em All James, he would, he would he would, it's not like he'd start low and get high often it'd be the opposite, the, you know, the first syllable of the line would be, yeah, and then he'd go like that, and it was, you know, the production didn't help as well, and King Diamond's kind of like that, you never know where he's actually going to go with his range so let's just do a little bit of history on Merciful Fate Merciful Fate are a Danish heavy metal band from Copenhagen. They were formed in 1981 by vocalist King Diamond and guitarist Hank Sherman. They were influenced by progressive rock and hard rock, with lyrics dealing with Satan and the occult. They were part of the first wave of black metal in the early to mid-1980s. Many of the bands from this movement went on to influence later black metal musicians in the 1990s, particularly Norway. Now, I just want to quote from a book I've been reading recently that I got from the library that's an okay book book um i think it's a little overrated it's been recommended to me by a few people this is a history of heavy metal by andrew o'neill um andrew o'neill is like a um i think he's like a british comic like a comedian or something like that he's played at like download festival on the edinburgh fringe and he i believe this was kind of part of a show that he had that he's then merged into a book so this is like a grand history of heavy metal i mean it doesn't even break 300 pages so he's going through things at quite a quick pace and it's a very personal journey as well it tries a little hard to be funny for me there's a lot of footnotes that are a bit eye-rolling to be honest that really try and make you go for and and fail but you know there's some funny uh chapter titles i love the title of chapter 12 for example in the late 90s every band i love went to shit <laughs> and he does spend quite a lot of time on metallica and load in the book and and those sections are quite interesting but yeah Speaking of Merciful Fate, Andrew O'Neill says, 
Something of an honorary member of the black metal Big Four, Merciful Fate are considerably more high-fidelity and melodic than Venom, Bathory, or Hellhammer. What set them apart from any other metal band in the first half of the 1980s was their unapologetic and serious commitment to Satanism. While Venom talked the talk on record, Merciful Fate's frontman King Diamond was a fully paid-up member of Anton LaVey's Church of Satan and a friend of LaVey too. Their Satanism was sincere compared to the more light-hearted approach of Venom or the Satanism as metaphor approach of Baffery and Hellhammer, they conveyed an occult authenticity. Musically, Merciful Fate owed a great debt to Judas Priest in their use of dual guitars and av in their use of dual guitars and a falsetto vocals, though whereas Rob Halford used both ends of his considerable range, King Diamond stays in the upper register the whole time, making for a distinctive and divisive style. And interestingly, despite being from Lars's homeland, I think he was kind of semi-aware of the band in the tape trading days, but when him and James really started to listen, was a guy called Patrick Scott. Patrick was actually enlisted to help send out um, copies of No Life to Leather back in the day, and this is from Mick Wall's Enter Night book, saying, quote, I was actually really the only person mailing them out. It was a little bit selfish of Lars, but it was helping a friend too. I had these pen pals like Metal Mike from Ardshark, from Ardshark and Bernard Doe at Metal Forces and some other pen pals, I would just send them demos and t-shirts and they'd send me stuff back. But they were just going nuts over Metallica. Even in countries where we thought the cool bands were, they thought Metallica was the coolest band. And in terms of Merciful Fate, again quoting from the book, it was also Patrick who first played the Merciful Fate. James would play Curse of the Pharaohs to get his guitar toned down. They loved Merciful Fate. They were a big influence on Metallica as far as an approach to being progressive with time changes and putting just riffs in. They didn't want chord progressions, they wanted riffs. That was the big thing. Ten riffs in one song you can make ten songs out of. And, you know, it is fun to play archaeologist going back and listening to Merciful Fate, in particular to this song, uh, Merciful Fate, rather than the band as a whole. And in Curse of Pharaohs that you mentioned, I hear hit the lights. I mean, we'll get to Curse Pharaoh to the second one, but there's riffs all over the place. I think explicitly in the Kill em All DNA, it doesn't take a genius to see that a lot of those song ideas were grandfathered by Merciful Fate's concert. And the bands had met back in the day a fair few times. This comes from Joel McIver's book. This is a really humorous incident between Kirk and King Diamond. Quote, all this madness occasionally spilled on... Oh, all this madness... All this madness occasionally spilled over on stage, as when Metallica attended a Merciful Fate show after a prolonged drinking session. Fate singer King Diamond had become friends with the band through his countryman Lars Ulrich and invited them on stage, but Hammer, somewhat worse for wear, managed to knock the King over. As King Diamond told me, quote, We were standing next to each other, he was leaning on me, and suddenly my balance went flat on my ass on stage. Unperturbed, Diamond laughed it off and forgot all about it. It emerged that after the show, Hetfield, Burton and Ulrich told the confused Hammer as a joke that Diamond was furious with him for the incident. Although Kirk was clearly worried about this, the others forgot to tell him later that they were kidding. And it was not until 1999 when Hammer approached King Diamond at a backstage party and apologised to the bemused singer that he realised how he'd been tricked all along. This band was such a mythic band for him. and You can understand Kirk's horror of maybe felling his hero. They really were titans to the boy. And again from Joel's book, I love this anecdote of them treating the King's lyrics as some holy text. Quote, In February 1984, the band wound up the Seven Dates of Hell tour, bid farewell to Venom, and drove up to Copenhagen, where they rehearsed the material for the album at Merciful Fate's practice rooms. As it happened, Merciful Fate singer King Diamond had left a book of lyrics lying around the rehearsal space, and Lars and James couldn't resist taking a peek. King Diamond would say, quote, There was one day when we were using the room after them, and they saw my book of lyrics and said, Shall we look? 
look at it. But then they got scared and said, he'll know that we looked at it. He'll sense it. But they looked at it really quickly anyway. Then I walked in and went straight to it like I always did. And they were terrified. So we start off with the shortest part of the medley. This song is Satan's Fall. I should say that of the five songs, four of them come from their debut album, Melissa, which is, you know, crazy quality it's a really good album actually been looking at it quite a while and um a corpse without a soul i think that was like maybe an ep track or something like that on spotify that only seems to be on their third album called the beginning which also has some bbc live sessions on there so i don't know if it's actually a studio record i'm pretty sure they only i'm pretty sure they only released two records and then sort of broke up and then came back or whatever but um yeah opens with this jackhammer riff that reminds me so much of the closing song of um, megadeth's masterpiece Rust in Peace, Rust in Peace, um, Polaris. I'll just play that here. Tell me what you think. Kirk's solos over the top of it. I think Kirk's work throughout this song is absolutely fantastic. You know, some of my favourite stuff I've heard of him in years at this point. I think this really shits on so much of the watery load, reload leads. Like, But here... He has the energy, he has the vigor, you know, con brio here, the way he's playing. And James is relishing it as well, talking about the blood of a newborn child. And oh my god, these lyrics are so fucking good as well. The moon being frozen blue, and the long black coats, a shelter for the rain, bats leaving their trees. And yeah, it's about 44 seconds worth. There's not too much here. Um, but again, you can see a lot of the a lot of the antecedents, a lot of the influence that would come on those more droney riffs. That they would employ on, on Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning. The song then draws away slightly, and we get to my favourite part of the medley, Curse of the Pharaohs. I think this song is absolutely badass, and I love that it employs this, um, you know, Tutankhamun, Imhotep, you know, awakened demon sort of imagery. We get these ancient pedal points. This riff is so familiar. To go back to Megadeth, think like Skin of My Teeth and stuff like that, you know, every fucking metal riff that just uses an open A with some triads over the top, but the, the, the melodies here are really, really nice. Yeah, and the song's really poppy and really catchy, and does remind me of Hit the Lights, just with the flexing, the groove in the chorus. You've been hit! Like that. It just has a nice kind of patterning underneath the don't touch, never ever steal, unless you're in for the kill. James backing himself up with the vocals. I'm pretty sure I can hear Jason on the BGVs here as well, and the band are just having a ball here. The solo I worship the way it has that kind of that descending legato trail above the staccato chords and kind of like, like an alarm a siren careening off and there's a call and response with James and his vocals and then Kirk's just really giving it he's really you know inhabiting that lead guitarist role here I love very groovy very serpentine you know there's a sense of dislocation to it there's a sense of unease and I think Metallica really weaponized the song because as good as the riffs are and as much as I am slowly acclimatizing to King Diamond's vocals, I much prefer the Hetfield grit that James brings to this. I think it just legitimizes it, modernizes it a bit more, and it makes it heavier. It kind of makes it a bit more successful in its aims, in my opinion. You know, it's fun to look back to the originals as well, because obviously the band are sort of cherry-picking the best bits from each song, and there's so much cool guitar work in the Merciful Fate stuff, especially on this Curse of the Pharaoh song on Melissa. Long harmonized guitar parts, like um, Andrew was saying before, with Judas Priest influence. We then get into Corpse Without a Soul, which has a kind of similar riff to Curse of the Pharaohs, but again, the melody 
to this. It's absolutely fantastic. The listen. You know, this is a very repetitive song, but James kind of embellishes the vocals. I'm a corpse. I'm a corpse. Like, it's great to hear James call himself a corpse anyway. Satan has taken it out on me as well, being trapped in his spell. Tonight, I'm going to hell inside his spell. And, um, you know, again, it's not fucking WB Yates over here, but the guys are having a ball, the guys clearly worship this sort of music, and they really, really do it justice, you know, it's really impressive, they've definitely taken a lot of time, I think the guitars sound immense as well, I don't think they even really tried to go for anything reinventing the wheel here on Garage Inc., but it really succeeds, I mean, there's a lot of variety of guitar tones throughout the two discs, but on this Merciful Fate, oh wow, wow, so good. You know, we're in this Dokken, as I say, Bullet Boys, Striper, who, uh, did anyone know Striper, that weird Christian heavy metal glam band that would, like, throw out Bibles and stuff? Um, they're actually not a bad band. The whole thing reminds me a little bit of Sonic Adventure. I don't know if anyone played that Dreamcast game or kind of grand 90s anime. You know how they always have this kind of 80s guitar in the background? Like, it just feels like uh, the tone is terrific. There's a really cool classic solo as well. The song uh, retreats, the tides pull out and Kirk rises and allows the groove to build back underneath him. There's so many money riffs. You know, Metallica really seized on the beating hearts of each piece and, and amalgamated it into a worthy whole. Then into Into the Coven, which is probably my least favourite section. Not, not to say that it's not very good, but it's, you know, problem with a lot of this music that can get quite samey quite quickly and not really too memorable with Into the Coven. Again, you know, there's really fun lyrics here um, to hear James exploring, talking about put on this white coat, take this white cross and go to the centre of the ring, come into my coven and become Lucifer's child. And then Into Evil, which is their most popular song, according to Spotify. This is a song that opens Melissa. This sounds very much like Phantom Lord to me. Like, I just hear that main riff in the main riff of this song. It's very repetitive in a good kind of way. Kirk finally gets to get his war out on this track as well. He presents like a kind of bamboozling lead that sears and stings. There's some real melodic energy within it that endows the track. And, and yeah, big up Kirk on this track. I think he fucking kills it. Really impressive set of solos. And that drill sergeant bark of Hetfield is at the the forefront and just makes for merciful fate to be such a treat with a lot of the garage ink stuff i just it wasn't necessarily my rotation metallica wise before this podcast like i was familiar with all the tracks as i say but this one has risen to some of the top like i this this has risen to one of the top songs that i enjoy like honestly it's a thrilling ride and then we go back into the satan's full riff before it closes out just to give it a bit of finality and conclusion so, listen to this track then, you don't have to be a genius to see why Merciful Fate was such a giant influence on Metallica, they're kind of kindred spirits to a certain extent, they both worship the riff, they both have progressive tendencies, they both are very original within a very defined genre, but um, some people weren't happy with Merciful Fate or Metallica, this comes from Mick Wall's book, this comes from Kerry King of Slayer. Quote, it wasn't just Megadeth that now felt comfortable at having a pop at Metallica in the music press. Kerry King of Slayer taunted Kerrang, calling it the Metallica mag, before adding pointedly, too many bands have started to sound commercial who started out heavy, specifically citing Merciful Fate and Metallica. I mean, whatever, it's still kind of heavy-ish, but... 
Getting too heavy is kind of boring to me, Carrie, but you know, apples and oranges and all that, some people like Reload. King Diamond have continued their association with the band, they even played the whole thing on stage with the boys at the 30th anniversary, and the boys have actually played it eight times, um, including other times with the band as well. I think Merciful Fate supported them on the retouring, poor retouring me tour with Monster Magnet as well, which is a really great gesture. And Stefan Chirazi interviewed King Diamond, he said, what did you think when you first heard the Merciful Fate medley on Garage Inc? King Diamond said, quote, Lars called me and told me about it. I had no clue they were doing that. It came from left field. Lars and I were on the phone and he asked, how's it going? We just talked about this and that. He told me about the tour they were doing and then out of nowhere he said, hey, I have something I'd like to play for you. Okay, I know you've been in the studio, man. I'm dying to hear what this new stuff is going to sound like, I told him. Then he starts to play the medley. I was about to drop my chair to the floor. What? Are you kidding me? Whoa, this is amazing, I told him. But what the hell? They had not even talked to the publishers yet to try to get the rights to cover the songs. He played it for me straight from the studio and wanted to hear my thoughts about it. The version of our stuff that they'd done was done so well. They did their thing, and it was very true to the music. James did not sing falsetto like I did, but there was that junk that he put into creating the mood that needed to be there. Hearing it still blows me away. And then Stefan says, but nobody could sing those songs better than you. And he says, no, probably not. But that's also why it's so much more amazing to hear it that way because of the way James approaches it. It works so good that James and I can sing at the same time on stage in our own way, and it works. It fits. Then also speaking to Classic Rock magazine, King Diamond was asked, How often have you sung the medley of Metallica on, live on stage? Quote, I've sung it with them at least three times. Once in Italy while touring in 1999, and the last time was for their 30th anniversary live show in 2011. That was my first time playing live after my heart surgery. On one occasion, Lars phoned while I was buying a car, asking me if I wanted to do the medley live the next day. So I flew home in that new car, and I ran in and put their version on, because it's different than ours. They have chosen certain verses to play. I can't just say I'm singing a part of this and a part of that. It's really their own take on it. And also in August 2008, King Diamond were asked by Metallica... King and also in two, in also and also in August 2008, King Diamond were asked by Lars uh, if they'd be willing to participate in the Guitar Hero game, which still needs to do an episode on. I've never actually played it myself, but um, I know someone got in touch, wanted to do that, and I can watch a few Let's Plays. Uh, or it requested the original masters for two of the band's songs so they could be used in the game. Unable to locate them, King Diamond suggested. King Diamond suggested to Activision that the band re-record the songs, and as a result, King Diamond, Hank Sherman, Michael Denner, Timmy Hansen, and Bjorn T. Holm reunited to re-record the songs Evil and Curse of the Pharaohs. King Diamond was apparently also made into a playable character in the game. And as we always do on this show, we open it up to you guys, the listeners, at Metallica Pod, and uh, got a few tweets back. Ralph says, love this, in reference, of course, to Merciful Fate. I took something that I like musically, but wasn't crazy about vocally, and turned it into an absolute beast of a song. Definitely one of the highlights of Garage Inc. to me. Yeah, I certainly agree, Ralph. Dave says, top 20 moments for sure. Savage Bloody Podcast. Rai says, if you came to it like I did and went back to the original after, it's definitely a shock to the system to hear King Diamond's vocal. Yeah, it certainly is. Almost com- almost comical. But almost comical. But then, once it sets in, you realise how amazing a unique King Diamond is. Also, that's got to be Jason slaying the background vocals, right? Uh, Samuel Veal, Master of Puns, says, so fucking cool. And Max is amazing. I like how James could cut corners for the screaming parts. So yeah, they played it eight times. Um, the la- first time they played it was in 98 in Toronto, Canada. They also played it the last... The last time was December 7th, 2011. That was the anniversary shows. They also played it in 2008 for OzFest at Pizza Hut Park in Dallas, Texas. And a few other times, there's a really cool version of them playing in New York that I watched before doing this episode. And um, as they're getting into the different sequences, when there's pauses, when they go into different riffs, such as the uh, you know Corpse Without Soul break, James turns to the crowd and he's like, you're still in hell or something like that. You're still... You're... 
saying you're not out of hell yet or something like that. So, yeah, this has been um, Merciful Fate. Again, I was supposed to have a guest, so kind of gaps I've had to fill in myself or whatever. But, you know, this has been really, really cool going through this song, and I adore this song. Let me know in the comments down below what you think of the song. Um, and if you want to come on the show as well, um, please subscribe, Patreon, iTunes, leave us a review over there. Um, what have we got coming up next week? We've got Metal Militia with Ralph. Then we have Mistress Dread with Alex Cottrell, which I've actually recorded yesterday. Really fun episode. Alex, the guy who did the Alpha Talica theme tune. Then we've got Minus Human, The More I See, Moth, Motor Breath. So um, we've got a Panoply of treats in store. This has been Tom. This has been Alpha Talica. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for enjoying the show. Um, what Merciful Fate should I check out? Let me know in the comments. Get at me, at my telecomod. Melissa, I'm really, really enjoying. I think I'm going to get onto their second album soon as well. Don't Break the Oath is the one that I'm going to get into next. And I think they regrouped and did a few more in the 90s. So, um, yeah, recommendations appreciate. This has been Tom again, Alpha Talica. See you next week. Bye.